0: seen in a long time. It's amazing how quickly time gets away, but I was wondering, if you think thinking about heaven, what what a wonderful place heaven is going to be. You know, I think back of the different congregations I've worked with, and I went to Dallas. to uh, Church of Christ in 1988, and I was nervous. I'd never tried out before. I just went back to a church after I got out of the Air Force that I'd worked with before, and uh, they were great people. But anyway, I got down there, and I was so nervous. I, I got up, I forgot my socks. I didn't wear my socks that morning. And uh, anyway, I, I got up. and I, I was nervous. I spoke about 15 minutes, and as the uh, teenagers went out, they said, "Hire that guy. We want him." One <laughs> cause they liked the length. They just liked cause it was short. But uh, I believe get up, speak up, and shut up. And, and so hopefully it'll be a lesson benefits you and and bless your lives but uh, you know as we think about others how do we how do we look at other people Um, I I think it's important I I was thinking about the in Luke chapter 18 verse 10 uh, we see two men two men were uh, just human beings people with uh, one probably a little more prominent one was a sinner and uh, in chapter, verse 10 here, in uh, chapter 18, it so I tell you nay, uh, uh, verse 10, two men went up to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee, and the other was a tax collector. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank you that I'm not like other men, fornicators, uh, men extortioners, unjust, adulterers, even this tax collector, and the tax collector, standing afar off, would not so much as raise his eyes to heaven, but beat on his chest, saying, God, be merciful on me, for I am a sinner. You know, as we look, you know, he was a broken person. I don't know what all this man had done. I don't know what suffering. I don't know what sins he had been involved in. But he was, he was broken. And, and what did he cry out? He cried out for mercy. And I was thinking, you know, what are we going to cry out for, for judgment? Do we want justice or mercy? I don't know about you, but I want mercy. <laughs> don't you? Wouldn't that be nice to know that God is merciful? He's forgiving? And, he, and he wants, he, He's not of that any should perish, but that all would come to repentance. That, that's His goal. That's what He wants. And you and I as Christians, you know, we, we should have that same attitude. But, you know, how do we, do, do we see the good in other people? And, and, you know, do we see them as they can be and not as they are? We want to look at some people tonight that, you know, that uh, really were people who uh, saw the best in people. And, and you think about it. As we, God looks at us, you know, what does He see? What does, what does He view of us? What do we want Him to see? And, you know, I think sometimes people just assume bad motives. You know, they, they've got uh, thinking that somebody's intentions, their motives, their behaviors, uh, you know, and basically they, they make some judgments that really they don't really know. But, uh, you know, they, 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 may, they like to predict failure and disaster. Uh, some people take the attitude toward people that, uh, including Christians sometimes, that, that you know, we, we don't see or look for the good in others. And, and tonight, as we think about that, you know, you, peace, people are broken. Who, who are the broken? Who are the people who are suffering? Who are the people who are in sin? Like this man that came and wouldn't even lift his eyes up to God, who are those broken people for whatever reason? their families, their home, maybe their jobs, maybe they've lost everything, and and they're broken. And where can they go? Where can they turn to? Who can they look to to find and and to know that there's hope for them? And and I I thought about this, and basically, we all are broken, aren't we? Aren't we all? You know, none of us have, you know, the attitude of the Pharisee, I'm not broken. I'm glad I'm not like other people. I'm glad I'm not like this man. I'm glad I'm not like that man. And yet he really was. He just didn't realize it. But the broken, who are they? The Bible says that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And, and yet, you know, the, the broke, sometimes we want to throw, it's like a broken pot. What do we want to do? We, want to, we throw it away. Why? Because we think it's beyond repair. Well, people's lives get broken. People's hearts suffer, scars are, are caused, difficulties and, and sin. You know it scars people, and Jesus is really their only hope. And we get to thinking, well, sometimes people won't last. They they can't cut cut the mustard as a Christian. They won't live. They won't be. Those people won't be faithful long. And we make judgments sometimes that we don't really know. Sometimes people think, well, they just want the praise of men, and you know sometimes that set of people might not be the case. Think about all the people you know and interact with. Some of these people are, you know, exceptional and talented and, and pleasant, and some are, are pretty worthless and repulsive. They seem that way, and, uh, but most are in between the two extremes. You know, they're, they're, they're not, you know, not, <clears throat> not so much one way or the other, just in between. But we all are broken. I, I was thinking about if, if broken people uh, can't make it, then, then none of us will be there. I was thinking about Barnabas. You know, we're looking for the good in other people. And I think that's so important in our lives. Barnabas, he looked for the good in other people. I was thinking about it in Acts chapter uh, 4. You know, he, he was a good, encouraging people, and, and he gave and he sacrificed. And, you know, it, it, encouragement was his name. Can you imagine? He was named encouragement. It wasn't his, his last name, was his first name. Barnabas was an encourager. And, you know, we, we have a choice. You know, we can tear down or we can build up. And this is true of the body of Christ. This is true of individuals. Sometimes people work for years trying to get their selves together and get their attitudes right and get, get, do what the Lord wants to do. And it doesn't take but a few words to destroy. You think about kids. You know, if you, just, you say ten good things about a kid and you say one negative, what is he going to remember? He's going to remember the negative, isn't he? He's not going to remember those good words, those encouraging words, but Barnabas, he was a good man, and who was, you know, he was the first one to, when Saul of Tarsus, can you imagine, Saul is killed Christians, and he was on his way to Damascus to kill Christians, and he, he was determined to stop this movement to call Christianity. He was doing everything in his power, and the Lord appeared to him, blinded him on the road to Damascus, and he said, Who art thou, Lord? And he says, I'm Jesus of Nazareth, whom thou persecutest. And so, what would you have me do, Lord? I want you to go into Damascus, and there it will be told you all the things appointed for you to do. The preacher comes in and he tells him what he's chosen to do and, and he says, And now, why, Terris, thou rise and be baptized and wash away thy sins. You know, if the Apostle Paul could live and he'd done what he did in that century, he would walk in our doors, would you want to sit by him? I don't know if I would. I mean, he'd kill Christians. But you know, Barnabas saw something in him. Barnabas saw the good, the potential that the Apostle Paul had and, and he was willing to, to go the extra mile and he was first to see that good and so and he took him to the brethren to try to help them to accept him and it, it was difficult. And, and so you, you see that he was encourager in Acts chapter 11, he was encourager where they were first called Christians in Antioch, Acts 11 and verse 23 to 26. You think about, he believed when Paul and uh, Barnabas, you know, they, uh, they basically were on the mission journeys and they been traveling and going different places, preaching the gospel. And when they started to go again, John Mark had turned back. And Paul says, he's not going with us. He's already turned back. He's quit. We don't want him. He may turn back again. He may, he may not stay with us again. But you know, Barnabas, he doesn't see that, does he? Barnabas sees it as, hey, He's good. He's sincere. He, uh, let's take him with us. Acts 15, verse 37. But, you know, later, Paul, what did he do? He saw it, that uh, this young man was valuable. This young man w- had potential. In Acts 15 and verse 7, 2 Timothy 4 and verse 11, he, he says, You know, when you come, bring him with you. He's profitable. You know, finally, Barnabas was right all along, and I see that. And, and he had potential. And, and so, what do we see him doing? We see him take the step. To accept him, I was thinking about Peter. You know, Peter was very sometimes rambunctious. Open his mouth and certain foot him many times, and kind of like we are. And but uh, you remember when Jesus met Peter? Peter, what is it? He calls himself a sinful man. He recognized that when when Jesus performed that miracle, and Peter calls himself a sinful man, and and he was impetuous. Peter, John eighteen verse ten, and you know basically, you know he could use unsavory He was a sailor. He was a fisherman. Fishermen, they, they, I'm sure that they they were rough and ragged people, worked the waters. But you know, Jesus saw in him something that you and I, if we were going to plan a mission and we were going to we we're going to start, we want to find ten pe- or twelve people to help us get it going. Would you choose Peter? Peter might be the last person we'd want to choose. You think about the people that that Jesus chose. You know, uh, the tax collector Matthew. You think about the, the the ones that you know those men that we would say, hey. I don't know if we want that guy on our team or not. You have the sons of thunder. You know, those guys were, uh, you know, those guys, you know, he, they want to call down fire from heaven, destroy some folks. But see, Jesus saw in them something that we might not have seen. And, and it basically, they, they need some anger management courses, but Jesus saw them with potential. And, and, you know, what do we see in other people? We can make people or break people. I, I was thinking about Jesus' life as he went along. The woman at the well. I mean, how many people would have wanted to talk to the woman at the well? Jesus talks to her. She's a woman. She's a Gentile woman, in, or she's a Samaritan in the Samaritan area. And basically, the, the woman at the well, she was a sinful woman. Been married five times, and she's living with the guy she had then. She wasn't even married. But she sees Jesus. She gets so excited about Jesus, she goes and tells the whole town about him. And what they? the whole town comes out to see him. And now they say, well, we, now we believe because, not the words of the woman, because we've seen it for ourselves." You see, Jesus, as He dealt with people, I think about the woman caught in the very act of adultery in John chapter 8. These men came out there, they had seen, they, they wanted to get Jesus, they wanted to trick Him, I guess, and try to, if He said you know, she could go free, then He violated the law of Moses, because it said she was supposed to be stoned. And Roman law says she couldn't be stoned. They couldn't do that. They couldn't carry out a capital punishment. But they came and they had their rocks in their hands and they brought her to Jesus. And they said this woman was caught in the very act of adultery. Kill her. That's what they, they wanted to do. They, but they, they really they weren't concerned about really justice. But Jesus, He doesn't say anything. What's he gets down and writes on the ground and there's been a lot of speculation about what He wrote. And then He stands up and He says, You are without sin. You cast the first stone. You throw the first one. And it's interesting, the oldest to the youngest dropped their rocks and went away. Why? Maybe they saw that what Jesus had written on the ground was true of them. Maybe their sin, maybe their problem. But you see, Jesus saw the good in her. You know, you you think about it, we'll never help people get to heaven if we can't take them where they are and bring them where they need to be. I, I love the song, Just As I Am. You know, God expects us to come. We want people to come. But, you know, we don't want them to stay where they are. We want them to transform. We want them to transform in, into the kingdom of God. And we want them to to basically grow spiritually. But, you see, we've got to see them as they can be, not necessarily as they are. And that's hard to do sometimes. And I, I don't mean gullible. I don't, I don't think we ought to compromise. Or, uh, But, you know, optimism. To think, hey, this person has potential. I, I remember growing up, I went to Valley Head High School, a little old single A school up in Va- uh, Valleyhead, Alabama, northeast Alabama, not far from where I live now. And, you know, I, I, if they had special ed, I'd probably been in it. I don't know. I just, you know, we grew up in a rough home. Uh, we lived, had a big old two story house, but you see the stars in the, through the holes in the ceiling. And, you know, it was just rough. And, you know, but then I had some people come into my life who saw me as I could be. And not as I was, and it changed my life. And you can change people's lives. See, that's what we're in the business. Of. We want to see people transform. We want to see lives change. And, and God has been that always. You know, we have got to look past sometimes the quirks and the flaws, uh, uh, and imagine the possibility. What are the possibilities for you as a Christian? What is the possibility for the those in this congregation? What is our uh, what, what can we do? What can we accomplish? You think about it there's got to be a soul winner in every christian since christ commanded us to go everyone to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every christian he wants us to do that and we do that with joy we do that with with uh, the hope of reaching people and you know every lost person could have their heart softened by the gospel but you know we need to remember 1 corinthians 13 here in 1 corinthians 13 he says hopes all things we hope You know, we, we may have children who are unfaithful we may have uh, neighbors who are not Christian but what do we do we hope all things we hope through our lives and through our ministry that we can reach the people around us that's what it's about we want people to go to heaven I got a lot of good friends I don't want them to be lost and some of them are pretty rough characters but what do we do we have to see them as they can be and not as they are you think about it, that's the way God operates you think about Abraham Abraham was a great he was the father of what the faithful he was the father of the faithful. But you know, he was in, in the land of Ur, and he, he, his family worshiped pagan gods, and God spoke to him, told him to leave, and he, he goes. But you know, Abraham wasn't a perfect man, lied on at least two occasions about his wife. You know, but yet God blessed him. All nations were going to be blessed through Abraham's seed. Uh, you think about Moses. Moses, you know, we, we start thinking about uh, looking at what people can be. Moses, I mean, he had murdered an Egyptian. He had killed someone because they were abusing uh, the Hebrew people, some Hebrews, and, and he'd kill them, and then he'd run off into the land of Midian and he married a woman over there and stayed in Midian 40 years. And God calls him, he wants him to come, he wants him to, to deliver the children of Israel. But what does he do? Now God said, God knows he has the ability to do it. he knows he has the potential to do this. But what does Moses do? He began to make excuses. He began to say, well, you know, I'm slow of speech. You need to get somebody else to do this job. You, to, you ever heard that before? Can you get somebody else to do this? I really am. I'm not qualified. I can't do this job. Moses I can't speak. I can't speak. I'm slow of speech. So he got there. Who made your mouth, Moses? He, he made excuses for not going. Now, I don't know why he felt that way, but he, he felt like he, he just couldn't do the job. But God knew he could do it. God knew he would do it. And God used him. He was an excuse maker. He was negative. And he, sa- and he said, I can't talk. And, and basically, that, that was the attitude of Moses. But God used him in a great way to deliver millions of people out of Egypt. Two or three million people out of Egypt and into the wilderness. And they wandered for 40 years because of sin. But, but God saw him as he could be. I think another great example of this is David. You know, David... You know, he is, he, To me, he is an amazing person. Uh, you know, when you think about David, David was a man after God's own heart. But you know, you think early years of David, David was great. David, he killed a lion and a bear watching his father's sheep. He was a faithful servant, a shepherd. And, and you know, then when he went to, to the, where they were having battle with the Philistines, and everybody was afraid of this great giant, and, and he was taunting them. And, and David said, I'll go out and fight for him. This, this giant's going to come into my... I'm going to kill him, just like I killed the lion and the bear. David is so strong and so faithful. David will never mess up. He's, he's just that kind of guy. But then what happens? David slips up, doesn't he? And what does he do? He sins with Bathsheba, murders her husband, commits adultery, and you know basically takes her and marries her. And you think, you know, what, how could a man do that? And of course, David, I don't think he ever really realized until the prophet comes and tells him, said, Now, David, you know, there was a guy who had this little lamb, and it was a beautiful lamb, and he loved it. It was the only one he had. And, and this other man who had all these lambs, he, he came and he took it. And he killed the man. And David said, Whoever done this, you're going to die. They're going to die. And the prophet says, You're the man, David. You're the one. And David said, I have sinned. Do you think about David. What a, what a great man. But he had a, a, a broken heart. This, I mean, this bothered him. And I, I can understand why, you know, to, to take a, a good man's life. This wasn't just anybody. And In Psalms 51, he says, Have mercy on me, O God, according to your loving kindness, and according to the multitude of your tender mercies. Blot out my transgression. His sin was ever before him. He, he struggled with it and he wrestled with it. And he says, Wash me thoroughly from mine iniquity and cleanse me from my sins. I acknowledge my transgressions and my sins are always before me. Against you and only you have I sinned and done this evil in your sight. It's almost specific, isn't it? He's, he's talking about the struggle. And he says, Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity and sin. My mother conceived me. Now, David wasn't born a sinner. That's not what that's saying. But behold, he says, "You desire truth in the inward parts, and in the hidden part, you will make me to know wisdom. Purge me." He's wanting cleanse, and you know sometimes sin is so burdensome, and it, the scars are there, and we know it, and we, we've done wrong, and we need forgiveness. But he says, "Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I will be whiter than snow." Make me hear the joy and gladness that the bones you have broken may rejoice. Hide your face from my sins. Blot out my, all my iniquities. He knew what his iniquities had done. He knew that separation. What does he want? He wants forgiveness. And he says, Created me a clean heart, O God. Renew a right spirit, a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence, and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Create a clean heart. You know, isn't it hard to have a clean heart? We live in a world where there's so much junk on TV and, and our society, so many things are going on. And Just to keep a pure heart. Guard your heart with all this. For out of it flow the issues of life. And, and David here, he, he says, create in me a clean heart. He, he wanted to be right with God. And he needed a clean heart. He wanted, to, 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 wanted forgiveness. And he, he wanted that relationship back. And notice what he says. He says, restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me by your generous, generous spirit. Then I will teach the transgressor of your ways and sinners shall be converted to you. Deliver me from the guilt of bloodshed, O God. The God of my salvation and my tongue shall sing aloud of your righteousness. You see, what did he want? He wanted to know he had forgiveness. David did us a lot of terrible things. A great man. Man after God's own heart, but what does He do? He slips many times, like we do. We mess up, we make mistakes, we sin, and we transgress God's law. And, and you know, sometimes we get in the habit as sometimes we look down on people. We, we belittle people, and, and we put them down. But we don't want to belittle people. To, to, belittle people to, belittle. Do to belittle people is to be little. Do you see what I'm saying? To be little people is to be little. Criticism alone is useless. We've got to learn to lift people up. We've got to learn to encourage them and build them up. And, uh, you know, it's a lot tougher to help people improve and, and to go out about helping with patience and helping them develop love. But you think about it, we're in the improving business. We're not to tearing down. We're not to push down. We're lifting up. And sometimes we're so critical of one another's brothers and sisters in Christ. You know, Matthew uh, chapter uh, 18, it talks about what you do when you have all against bro. brother. What do you do? You go to that brother or sister. And you work it out privately so nobody else has to know about it. That's one passage I think we avoid that with like a plague. We read, we're ready many times to talk about everybody else, but we don't want to talk to the person that we have the problem with. We need to be careful. It's tough to try to help people improve. But see, Jesus, you think about it, He didn't end His work by telling people what sinners they were or failures they were. He guided them to a better way. He wanted them on that straight and narrow way. And you think, he started with people where they were. He started with these people that he chose to be his disciples. He started with people who had problems, people who had difficulties. Peter later in his life, he told him, go and feed my sheep. Peter was restored and he, he was brought back and he got his life right. There's another story that we find in Luke chapter 19 and stories story of Zacchaeus. You know, Zacchaeus was a man that people didn't want to be around. People didn't, they didn't, so he was a tax collector in in Luke chapter 19 and verses 1 to 10. You you see this, Jesus entered and passed through Jericho and now there was a man there by the name of Zacchaeus who was the chief tax collector and he was rich. You can understand why people didn't. Where was he getting his rich? He was a tax collector. He was making money was using the tax collecting to, make, to fill his pockets. And it says, Behold, there he, he was a man who sought to see Jesus, verse 3, but could not because of the crowd, for he was short of stature. And he ran and climbed a tree, the sycamore tree, to see him, for he was going to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said to him, Zacchaeus, make haste, come down, for I, today I must stay at your house. So he made haste and he came down and he received him joyfully. Here's this old tax collector. Listen to what the people around him say. But when they saw it, they all complained saying, He has gone to be the guest with a man who is a sinner. Can you imagine? A man like Jesus, a holy man, servant of God, son of God, going to to eat with a sinner? They couldn't imagine that. I think sometimes we may feel that way too. You know, we have to be careful. We don't develop the pharisaical attitude about sinners. But basically, what does he do? He, he, he says that here he's going to be a guest of a sinner. Jesus was good at eating the Republicans and sinners, and people loved him. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, I give half of my goods to the poor, and if I've taken anything from anyone falsely, by false accusation, I restore fourfold. And Jesus said to him today, Salvation has come to your house because he also is the son of Abraham. For the Son of Man has come in to seek and to save that which was lost. You see, Jesus, his whole purpose of coming to earth was just what it says. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. His whole purpose was to take people afflicted with sin and transform them. It, it, it's rewarding work to invest in people and to help them to grow. And the Bible tells us that, you know, we have to help people to do better. We make mistakes. We sin. We, we need encouragement. We need people to help us. We're in this thing together. We wanting to go to heaven and, and we need to encourage one another and help one another. Galatians 6 and verse 1. You see, we need to see, I believe, the best in others. If we're negative and pessimistic, and that's really contrary uh, to what Jesus really wanted us to be. You see, Jesus, he, he preached the kingdom. He kept going about and people followed Him. And, you know, and for negative and pessimistic, Jesus wasn't that way. And really, if we're that way, it's a commentary on us. What is our life like? What do we see in others? We need to be people who see the good in others. And I think if we'll develop that attitude, Jesus had it. Now, aren't you glad? You think if he didn't see the good in others, where would we be? He knew that there were going to be people who would obey the gospel. He knew there would be people who would come to him. But you know, those little scars, just like David's scars, sometimes we just need Jesus to help us and forgive us. If you're not a Christian tonight, what a great night to put Christ on, to have that forgiveness. If you're a Christian and and the scars of life and the battles that you've fought and and maybe you need the prayers of the church, the elders pray pray with you and for you. You might need to ask God to forgive you and the elders pray for you and, and encourage you. We all need that at times. Never a time in our lives we, we need to look at the good in us. Hope, hope you're looking for the good and try to help people to become better. Not to put them down, not to push them down, but lift them up. See, that's what Jesus did. Thank God Jesus came down to lift us up. He wants us to be with Him in heaven. And I hope you're ready for that day. You're preparing for that day. And be ready one day to be with Him. And if you're not, we happy anyway. Please come as we stand and sing.